0: What's up, guys? I'm Daniel Logan, Boba Fett from Star Wars, Attack of the Clones, and The Clone Wars. You will listen to Call of Portion Podcast. <laughs> I guess I talk first. Hello and welcome to the Quarter Portion Podcast, the only Star Wars podcast that has at least attempted to read the Sacred Jedi texts. I am Christy Hoog. I am not joined, however, as always, by my co-pilot, Patrick Fletcher, who is searching for real estate on the forest moon of Endor at the moment. Um, however, I am here to talk to you about one of the questions we get asked the most uh, on the show, which is where do I start with reading Star Wars books? So uh, we were recently, uh, just last week, on Galaxy Far, Far Away, Jay Bartlett's new Star Wars show on the Nerdy Northerners Network on Twitch. And uh, during the two-hour conversation we had, we were asked by someone in the chat room um, why we recommend the book, the book Bloodline so much. And uh, I was thinking because of the conversation that spawned out of that, I would quickly run through some of the new canon material that's out there and uh, kind of give my recommendations on what to read including bloodline which is the book that you've probably heard me and pat talk about quite often and uh, which we recommend is still the one star wars book to read uh, if you're going to read any star wars books at all so i'll just quickly go through in timeline order the different books that are out there and why you should give them a chance So the first thing timeline-wise would probably be, actually not even a novel at all, but the Shuttered Empire miniseries from from Marvel Star Wars comics. Uh, This was a short uh, six-issue miniseries that dealt with the aftermath of Return of the Jedi and the fall of the Empire leading into the Battle of Jakku. Um, We saw that the fighting did not end quickly on Endor. We saw what Luke got up to immediately afterwards. We meet Poe's parents both of which uh, were involved in the battle of the second Death Star, um, helping out um, Han and Luke respectively. And uh, we actually get to see what might still be a bit of a plot hint um, when Luke finds, shall we say, a relic from the Jedi Temple that could still bear some impact on the plot somehow. So the next thing chronologically would be the Aftermath Trilogy of Novels by Chuck Wendig, We have talked about Empire's End previously on the show, however, this is a series that I think a lot of people didn't appreciate at the time. The first book was kind of a rocky start for some people. Um, I personally enjoyed it. Uh, However, by the end of the trilogy with uh, with Empire's End, yeah, so much good stuff hidden in there, including the very origins of the First Order. Now this kind of cuts to the heart of why I wanted to talk about the canon sequel trilogy era of books, um, or specifically the books that come after episode 6 because there's 30 years between Episodes 6 and 7 and 8. There's a lot of history that we've only barely scratched the surface of. And What we have seen so far, while it can be kind of small in terms of content, is all piecing together very nicely. It's forming a very cohesive whole. One of the things that Pat and I both enjoy about the new movies is that things are tying together nicely. The canon is really holding the movies together in a way that the old Expanded Universe didn't. And couldn't. And a lot of that comes from the Aftermath trilogy, I'd say. Okay, now stick with me here. It gets a little hairy with uh, the next book, uh, because chronologically speaking, it is it is the next book of the timeline. Last Shot by Daniel Jose Older is actually a tie in for Solo, a Star Wars story. It came out last year. However, uh, there's three timelines active in it. So in the main current timeline, or main present timeline, Uh, Is set after Return of the Jedi, when Ben Solo is just three years old at the most. Han is learning how to how to be a father, and has you know one more adventure comes up, and he has to he's torn between staying with Han while Leia's busy with uh, her government work, or going off on this adventure when it turns out has larger stakes than he expected at the time. Um, First two timelines in it are um, focus on Lando when he still has the Falcon, and Han, shortly after the events of Solo, but the it's very interesting, especially as a relatively new father myself, to to read about Han struggling with um, this role that he has no experience with. We, see, we we hear in the movie that his father was not very present, and when you see him, or sorry, when you well, when you read him struggling to relate with his own son, and you know how that relationship ends up. It's a very interesting, it's a very interesting scenario to read. Um, The adventure itself was pretty unique, um, and as a tie-in for Solo, it works great. Um, So for that, I recommend it. Now, the next book, uh, it's hard to fit in chronologically. Um, It would be The Legends of Luke Skywalker by Ken Liu. Now, this is an interesting one. It's actually a series of several short stories. Um, They're tied together by a frame narrative, in the passengers on a vessel are recounting different legends they've heard about Luke Skywalker. Now, that's a great concept in itself, because as The Last Jedi shows uh, well, as the whole sequel trilogy so far has shown us, Luke and his power as a Jedi has become the stuff of legend. And to see it applied to common citizens of the galaxy is really interesting. It's narratively, it's a neat concept, too, in that, you know, you have narrators who might not be reliable Um, these events may or may not have happened they may have been embellished Uh, they may not have the whole story Uh, so it's interesting in that aspect for me personally anyways now some of the stories in it are a little hit and miss Um, a couple of them lean very heavily on farce and it's a bit silly I don't know, something was didn't quite sit right with me, and I actually found myself skipping through parts of a couple of the short stories. However, the other ones have some very interesting implications. I mentioned in, about the Aftermath Trilogy, how there how there are a series of satellite installations that Palpatine had on several different planets. We see them on Jakku in Empire's End. We see them on the planet Pilio in Battlefront 2's story campaign. However, in The Legends of Luke Skywalker... We hear a story about a person who is believed to be Luke Skywalker, because we never really know for sure in this book. We hear a story about Luke, or a person who we assume to be Luke, because we never really know for sure in this book, on Jakku around the time of the Battle of Jakku, when the Empire was finally defeated a year after Return of the Jedi. And Luke is trying to get to the same uh, cell installation that the characters in Empire's End we're at and during the events of that book. Perhaps the most interesting of the stories is uh, one involving him on a planet that is mostly water, where he meets a group of um, natives who look at the Force in a different way. They have a much different view on the Force than the Jedi would have. They're not Jedi or Force users per se in their own right. However, they do sort of worship the Force. And um, you can see a lot of his survival skills that he shows in Last Jedi in this story, especially the trick with the spear. So mixed. it's a bit of a mixed bag. It's a neat experiment as a, as a story. I don't love all the stories in it, but the ones I do love are fantastic. <laughs> so I do recommend at least reading a couple of the short stories out of The Legends of Luke Skywalker. Now we come chronologically to my main focus uh, for this talk, Bloodline by Claudia Gray which again is the book that we recommend to anyone who wants to get into Star Wars novels or to any Star Wars fan. If you read one Star Wars book, let it be this one, because I think it will change the way you understand and appreciate the sequel trilogy. Now, I have said on the show before, I love the new movies as much as I love the old ones. I think there's a really interesting story going on. However, I don't think the movies have really highlighted that very well. J.J. Abrams did not do a great job illustrating the new structure of the galaxy, because after the Empire fell, the New Republic rose. You get get that story in Aftermath uh, of how Mon Mothma and the other people involved in the government were debating how to operate, how to run their military, especially. And a lot of people wanted to just totally demilitarize. So what we end up with by the time of Bloodline is a very unique situation in that the New Republic itself has a very minimal fleet. So... Bloodline takes place six years before the events of Force Awakens. Now, at this point, Leia is a senator, Han is training pilots, and Ben is off training with Luke. Ben is alluded to at several points throughout the story, like Leia wonders what her son is up to and what the two of them are doing. However, it doesn't actually appear. Everything focuses on Leia, as I said. She's a senator of the, of the Galactic Republic, or the New Republic, whatever you want to call it. And there are hints that something dark is on the horizon. She's There are hints of something sinister at work. And she is one of the only people in the New Republic who will do something to investigate it. A lot of people in the New Republic have their heads in the sand and don't want to entertain the idea that there could be a new threat like the Empire Rising. So she goes on a mission to get to the get to the heart of what's going on um, and try to cut this thing off with the past. And she meets a new senator. Or she meets a younger senator who she suspects is an imperial sympathizer. Now, there's one particular moment in here which explains the title of Bloodline, and it has huge implications for the rest of the sequel trilogy era and huge implications for Kylo Ren specifically. Like I said, he doesn't show up in the book in person. However, there is a major revelation during the course of the of the novel, or w- which we can guess or extrapolate is one of the core reasons why he was courted toward the dark side so i won't say what it is because i really cannot endorse this book enough but once you once you've read it i think you'll understand it does give us the time frame of six years we know that this book is six years before force awakens so that gives six years for kylo to or that that gives us our time frame for how long kylo has been at least courting with the dark side um, in a serious way So yeah, Bloodline gives you a great look at at the structure of the New Republic, sets up the Invasion of the First Order, which at this point is not even named, or is not even known by name in the Republic, and we'll just redefine the way you look at Leia and everybody else for sure. (laughs) Let's take a quick break for a word from our new sponsor, and a tune from the Cantina Band. Do you have a vision for a cosplay prop, novelty item, or other project, but don't know how to make it without breaking the bank? Nerdful Things has you covered. Ontario's 3D printing experts are committed to quality and affordability. They can forge everything from convention-friendly prop weapons, to masks and helmets, to small embellishments like belt buckles or pauldrons. You might even find a unique nerdy gift for friends. Check out their gallery and request a quote on Facebook at nerdfulthings3d or on Instagram at nerdful underscore things 3D underscore. Check the show notes for more links. So, We move from Bloodline to Phasma by Delilah S. Dawson. Now, this book is a bit hard to place chronologically because it uses a frame narrative, wherein the present storyline is somewhere between Bloodline and Force Awakens, where the main events of the story are a retelling of past events, specifically of Captain Phasma's life before the First Order. Now, we know, based on clues in this, um, because Kylo Ren is mentioned by name, ...as one of the commanders of the First Order, essentially. So we know by the point of the main storyline... ...involving um, a First Order sergeant named Cardinal... ...and a Resistance spy named V. Marati, ...that by this point, Ren has found the First Order... ...and risen to his position that we see within the movies... ...somewhere in those six years between Bloodline and Force Awakens. Uh, Phasma is a bit strange for a Star Wars book... ...but it's actually one of my favorites of the new canon altogether... Um, The best way to describe it is Mad Max meets Star Wars, essentially. Um, Phasma's storyline is not what you would expect. Uh, It gives you a lot of respect for the character, I would say. Um, Just the unique situation on her homeworld and the things she had to do to get off of it and join the First Order... It's uh, it's unlike anything I've, I think I've read in any of the Star Wars books, canon or legends. Basically, she lives on this almost inhospitable planet, which has just been destroyed by nuclear radiation. A first order ship crashes on it. A first order ship, no less, containing General Hux's father, Brendel Hux. So she comes in contact with them and uh, has to help them get off the planet. In the end, obviously, they help her get off as well. But the journey along the way and the implications at the end of the book for the rest of the First Order and Hux... Are really worth uh, really worth reading about. Now, the next book chronologically would be Canto Bite, which is a short story collection of tales revolving around characters on Canto Bite. Uh, however, this is one of the few books I have not read in the current canon. I just have not found <laughs> the time to read it since it came out, uh, though I've heard great things about the four authors in it Saladin Ahmed, Mayura Grant, and Ray Carson, and John Jackson Miller the last two of which I have read their Star Wars work before, and it's great. I just haven't brought myself to read *Candle Bite* yet. Uh, now, there are two other pieces of canon literature that fall into younger reader material. Star Wars Before the Awakening by Greg Rucka and Cobalt Squadron by Elizabeth Wayne. Now, I haven't read Cobalt Squadron, but Before the Awakening is a collection of three short stories. Um, based on our new big three, Finn, Poe, and Ray. Now, Finn's story especially is great in this one. It shows uh, shows him training well with Phasma and with his uh, squad mates, who we later realize are in the Force Awakens. Well, he's in a four man squad, and one of them, one of his teammates, is the one whose blood gets smeared on his helmet at the start of Force Awakens, and the other is uh, the infamous TR eighty eight or the soldier who. Who calls him a traitor and duels him on Taco Donna later on in the movie? Ray's story revolves around her finding a ship that's almost salvageable and trying to um, to fix it up without being discovered by other scavengers and having her, her her prize stolen. Now you can probably guess that doesn't end well for her, knowing where she is in the movie. But uh, the journey along the way is great. Explains a lot of how she knows how to fly and gives great insight into her daily life on Jack. Who uh, and the third story is of course about Poe. Um, one of his early missions against the First Order under General Leia's guidance. I would definitely recommend this one because it's a quick, easy read. um, Gives great backstory on those three characters. Actually, a fun side note. Some of the stories in these books, specifically Before the Awakening and some of the comic books, have been adapted into a single volume of kid-friendly short stories. I found this because I have several similar books for my daughter for story time. And uh, when I found (laughs) a single hardcover edition that had BB-8 plastered across the front of it, I thought, well, what's this? It turns out they've adapted a lot of the Marvel comics and stories like Before the Awakening short stories into this uh, young reader-friendly format for the parents in the audience. Uh, now, the last two pieces of major canon are, again, comics and a TV show. The Poe Dameron series by Marvel Comics finished earlier this year. It's by it's written by Charles Sewell who also did the Darth Vader series that uh, I raved about a few episodes back. It starts out before The Force Awakens and ends after The Last Jedi. So we have a bit of um, a bit of interaction between Rey, Finn, and Poe that we haven't gotten in the movies yet. There's a great scene between R2 and BB-8 late in the series that uh, I don't want to give away because it's so fantastically written. Um, but yeah, it tells the story of Black Squadron, their missions before The Force Awakens, and how... Poe was trying to find Lor San Tekka to get the clues to where Luke's hiding. I uh, highly recommend that series as highly as I recommend the Darth Vader the Darth Vader run that that's did as well. So that brings me to the end of written content for the sequel trilogy canon. Um, however, I want to mention Star Wars Resistance, which is the TV show that is currently running. This coming Sunday will be the second part of the season finale. Talked about the show a little bit on the Quarter Portion podcast before. Uh, However, I think if you've been sleeping on it up until now, now is a great time to to tune in. As I kind of predicted, it started off slow and light. You needed to set up the characters and this unique world on the planet of Castellon and specifically the Colossus Outpost before it got into the meteor subjects. And now that the season's wrapping up and it's it's starting to encroach upon the events of Force Awakens, it's starting to become clear how this is going to fit into things. There was a great little moment in part one of the finale the other day that I totally did not expect and could have huge implications for the story of the Resistance moving past The Last Jedi. So now is a great time. The series, the season's almost over. The episodes are light and easy to get through. Almost two light in points for older audiences, perhaps. But um, I highly recommend if if you have kids, it's a great show to watch with them. I've been watching it with my three and a half year old and she loves it. (laughs) Uh, It started out for her as the BB-8 show because she's familiar with BB-8. And that's kind of how I got her to sit through the first episode. But by a couple of episodes in, she was loving it and... By the time BB-8 eventually leaves, she was not invested solely in him anymore. It was the Kaz show um, for the protagonist, Kazuda. So, yeah, highly recommend it if you've been sleeping on it up till now. Well, I think that's going to do it for me this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it and tell a friend. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are free, with new episodes every third Friday. Don't forget to subscribe on your service of choice so you never miss a new discussion. Got a question or comment on today's episode or anything else in the Star Wars universe? Drop us a line on Twitter at KyberClub or on Facebook and Instagram at Podcast. Your opinions and questions are worth 60 portions to us. Ask a question and we'll gladly answer on the show. Check out KyberClub.com for all of our contact information as well as our blog. You can find Patrick on Twitter at Fletch or on his YouTube page, Wilderness Wisdom. And I'm on Twitter, at Hoogafee. Until next time, may you be one with the Force, and may the Force be with you. The Quarter Portion Podcast is sponsored by Heroes Comics, southwestern Ontario's largest comic book and collectible store. Located in the heart of downtown London at 186 Dundas Street, Heroes specializes in new and vintage comics, along with action figures, statues, and collectibles of all types. Whether you're looking for Star Wars comics and toys, or the latest graphic novels, manga, and trade paperbacks, Heroes has something for fans of all stripes. For more information, visit heroescomics.ca.